Hello and welcome. It is a major week. The PGA Championship is days away and we're back, of course, with another Monday recap and preview episode of the Rainmakers Fantasy Golf Show presented by DraftKings Rainmakers. Coming off of birdie fests, coming into major week number two, the PGA Championship, all the biggest golfers are in the field. The majors just hit differently, man. They are, uh, they're just a different beast in and of themselves with me, of course, is TJ TJ. How's it going? How's the weekend? We're going to get into a lot of different things on this show. So excited to uh, chat major golf with you. Yeah. Great to be back. Great to have the second major of the year coming up in the PGA championship should be a, a great one. And, uh, yeah, fun, fun tournament this past weekend with the AT&T, Byron Nelson, anytime you're like halfway through the day on Sunday, I think there was like 10 people tied for the lead at one point. So lots of things shaking and, and moving on the leaderboard down the stretch. Jason Day comes away victorious, which is fun to see. Certainly somebody who, you know, years ago was was up there with one of the best golfers in the world has, you know, maybe had some some fallout over the past couple of years, but has really been playing some solid golf lately. So great to see him getting back into the winner's circle. Scotty Scheffler, as always, hanging around in the mix, finishing T5 despite shooting even par in round three, which, you know, at, at one of these birdie fests, typically if you shoot even par, you, you should not be able to sniff a chance at winning on Sunday. But as we always talk about, Scheffler and Rahm are, are just guys that even when they're playing quote unquote bad, they're still going to find themselves towards the top. And not surprisingly, they uh, they are sitting atop the odds board when we're looking ahead towards PGA Championship coming up at Oak Hill this weekend. Yeah, uh, well, well said. I believe I wrote up that I wasn't playing Scotty in any rare or elite contest. Don't have any rare or elite Scotty in my portfolio. Wasn't willing to go out and buy him. Um, and ultimately, probably a bad decision. Uh, you, you're going to need him in your portfolio to win when he plays like this. I think I wrote it up and I said, if he finishes outside the T10, consider yourself lucky if you're fading. And if not, of course, he finishes T5. Uh, super, super pedestrian third round, but uh, goes out shoot 65 64 64 to open it up was just totally insane felt like he could have gone even lower than that um and yeah when when you get a tournament where it's you know you're further than 20 under par you're kind of out of it if you shoot even par and he was able to get back into it and he made par on sunday from some absurd absurd locations i mean changing the the length of his backswing changing the like depth of how he swings the club still being able to get up and down for from for par from like 40 yards from 60 yards just totally insane i thought hole 12 was when it felt like to me that it was jason day's tournament to win or lose he hits a uh, in the par three misses the green just barely has a little bit of a short-sided chip and jason day just a wizard with his wedges ends up hitting the chip more, more pure than you could even hit a putt and went absolute center cup to make birdie as, as a chip in and then went on to uh make two more birdies to get to 2300 birdied the last uh siwoo kim did force him to have to birdie the last uh, came in 22 under and then Eckroat had a chance to Eagle the last to force a tie. So uh, Jason day finished before Eckroat Eckroat couldn't make Eagle uh, makes his birdie. So two guys finished two, 
Roglic uh, tied for second at 22 under. And then, yeah, you found CT Pan in solo fourth, another kind of sort of unlikely candidate. But when you get these birdie courses and when people are just rolling in putts from all over the place, this is kind of what can happen. But I would say overall, it's a really, it was a really, really difficult golf tournament from a rainmaker's perspective to win. Felt like I had a really strong elite, uh, elite team, Hideki Matsuyama, Adam Scott, Joseph Bramlett, and then Cage Lee and Tom Kim. Cage Lee kind of barely made the cut, same with Tom Kim, but then they both played pretty well on the weekend, and I just couldn't run up. You just needed, you know, so many guys in the top 10. You needed to have the right captain and guys in the top 10 to kind of run up because of how chalky the people at the top were. You know, Scotty, 18%, Jason Day, 15%. Um, who else was up there? Um, let's see. Uh, I think Adam Scott was even like 12 or 13%. So you just Terrell needed. Hatton was probably. Yeah. Hatton, was, as Hatton well. was up there. Yep. Yeah. You just needed multi. There were multiple lineups where you, know, you had the chalk and your three or four of your spots. They all sort of hit. And then you needed one guy to go off. Someone like Siwoo Kim or CT Pan or, you know, an Adam Scott, you know, a lot of people had Vincent Norman in their Vincent Norman in their lineups. And he played fantastic. Actually had, you know, a good, good of a chance as anybody to kind of run up the leaderboard on Sunday during the first nine, but then uh, kind of stalled out on the back nine. So a fun golf tournament, really, really fun uh, tournament with a field that a lot of people made a lot of birdies and it's going to be incredibly different than this week where, you know, I fully expect there to be, you know, this winner will be under, you know, 10 under par for sure. It could be even in the four or five under par range. So it's going to play a course will, that will play entirely different. But yeah, for me from this past week, my takeaway was just that it is, it is hard to win at all, at all levels, uh, at all tiers when the chalk does smash as well as the chalk hit this past week. So, and I think what we're finding is that these kind of like hybrid weak fields ends up being the most difficult from a rainmaker's perspective. And when I say that, what I mean is where generally speaking, it's a it's a weaker, softer field, but you have, you know, five or so players at the top that are kind of a clear cut above because what ends up happening is a there's just not as many cards to be played um, in terms of like the, the cards that people have available to them. And then b those the, the, the cards that people do own are of these guys that are the favorites in the tournament. And, you know, while golf is high variance, we have seen. That in these fields where there's kind of that clear distinction, the the guys that are at the top, even if they're not winning the tournaments outright, like we're getting a lot of top 10 finishes from the the Hattons, the Schefflers, the Adam Scotts, et cetera, that showed up in this field. So, yeah, that's proving to be a bit difficult. But uh, looking ahead to the majors this weekend, I think, you know, I think we're we're in for a nice treat from a Rainmakers standpoint. Going to be tons of cards available to play. You, you do have, of course, the the top elite guys that are, you know, standing above from an odds perspective. But after that, I mean, it's it's certainly anybody's ball game. Tons of different routes that you could go with your Rainmakers cards. And I think we're going to spend a, a good amount of time on this week's show previewing what to expect from the PGA Championship. You, of course, like we had at the Masters, have the dynamic of the live guys coming back into play here. That doesn't matter directly from a rainmaker standpoint but it does matter i think uh for for the game itself right because like we said it's just going to be a lot more cards that are in play and 
lots of different things that that could happen here. So I'm excited to talk through it all with you today. Yeah, definitely. Going to jump in my last couple thoughts on the Byron Nelson. I, I did enter uh, some of the gated contests. I continue to really like uh, the gated contest that DraftKings is doing. I think it's a way to use your portfolio. It's another tournament that you're analyzing. One, if you're looking to you know take advantage of some sort of VIP experience, and if you have the right team or can construct the right team with as high upside as you need to kind of take down some of these prizes. You know, when I compared the top team here uh, in the rare gated contest, six eighty three twenty five, and then when I looked over uh, at the elite, it was around the same right it was uh six six eighty nine what was the top here yeah sorry six eighty six so almost the same um you know with 300 or 600 less lineups, 700, almost 700 less lineups. So you still need, you know, a really, really high end lineup in these gated contests to take it down. Uh, but a really cool, you know, experience. And I still like the fact that DraftKings has, has those out there. I think it's just one of those things where if you're going for gated, you got to put your best lineup in there in order to get it, get, get in the top of that, uh, and take advantage of the top of that score. Whereas I think your other lineups, you can get them into the guaranteed contest, min cash, and you know, at least get something back on your portfolio. So just think about that when it comes down to constructing your lineups and how you're going to attack, you know, lineup and contest creation going forward. So that was uh, the last thing I wanted to cover. And then, yeah, ahead of the PGA Championship, it looks like we're going to get the the remainder of the approach pack supply. Uh, so Tuesday we'll have the final pr approach pack drop elite packs and legendary packs only for sale. No, uh, no rare packs, but there are boosters that are out there that can be purchased uh, for around that same price as the rare packs had been going. Elite packs will run $250, uh, $250. There's, a, there's 10, sorry, 1049, you know, 1049 packs available. Uh, if you are holding a greens pass, you can have, and you will get priority access to the drop at noon on Tuesday. Uh, I fully expect these to get to public with this price point and that number of packs uh, out there. But these packs are looking interesting enough to uh, take a look. And I like, you know, the fact that it's another major chance to bring a couple new players, new players into the game. And these packs are available out there for sale. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on what that looks like as we move into Wednesday and how packs are selling. And if you're trying to round out a lineup or two that you think has some upside, uh, leveraging the pack marketplace uh, can be can be a good way to do that in order to bolster your portfolio legendary packs there's 264 of them and they're 1500 so completely different price price point there uh but wanted to make sure we called that out to you all so yeah noon on tuesday tomorrow 5 16 uh for pass holders and then 4 30 p.m for elite uh public sale and then five o'clock usually for legendary public sale all right i think that'll do it for the recap section, like TJ said, save the majority of the show for the preview. And man, I mean, I'm is as excited as ever. You mentioned the live guys, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, and another name. I can't remember. Brendan Grace, uh, I think. Brendan Grace, yes. In a three-way playoff over there on the live tour in Tulsa, Dustin Johnson gets the victory. And Dustin Johnson, like, like Brooks Kepka, is his name in golf is going to be synonymous with how many majors he wins. So he absolutely wants to win these majors live would love no more than to get a live winner in a major championship here. Uh, just solidifying the level of elite golfers that they have on that tour. So uh, the live drama will continue on the rest of this major season. And I think it does impact rainmakers. Like you said, in terms of the ability to get, 
multiple guys in the top five when the likes of Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler and Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson aren't in Rainmakers, right? It changes a lot of things when other guys that are really, really high end golfers can get into the top three, can get into the top five, the top 10. So, and, and it will change the way the cut dynamic works as well. You know, this is the PGA championship. I fully expect that if you have five of five guys make the cut, you have a solid chance to run up. We'll see if that remains true and how the chalk ultimately does from a rainmaker standpoint. But I definitely think, you know, these live golfers and other golfers that aren't in rainmakers do have more of an ability to impact the scoring than just like not being in the game and not, uh, not having them available to you to select, to put in a lineup. So we'll see how that pans out, but yeah, top of the odds board, very, very fun and interesting from a rainmaker standpoint, Scheffler, Rom sit alone plus 750 and plus 800. And then I, I think there's another tier here, uh, between Rory, Xander and, and Cantlay. Uh, I think Scheffler and Rom just better than those three guys. So it's those two guys at the top second tier of those three guys. I mentioned Rory, Xander Shoffley, Cantlay at plus 1400 for Rory plus 1800 for Xander and Cantlay. And then that third tier, which is pretty huge, uh, 28 golfers. I think I counted, uh, with better than plus 9,000 odds to win. And I think majors end up being a kind of tournament that really 15 to 20 golfers can win. But yeah, you know, when you look at the bottom of that range, you're going to get guys like, uh, Corey Connors, Gary Woodland, Tom Kim, you know, guys that have incredibly high pedigree and can win golf tournaments like this. Gary Woodland has won a U.S. Open before. He's can hit the ball a long way. He can win golf tournaments that are going to be minus three, minus four, minus five slugfests. Um, so, and he, and he played well at the Masters. So I think uh, th this tournament is open uh, for the first 30 or so golfers. And then after that, it's a little bit more of a, of a long shot kind of approach, but interested in your take at how the field rounds out and what the odds board looks like. Yeah, I think definitely when thinking about it, from a rainmaker's point of view, want to be sticking to to those top kind of 15 to 20 golfers. But the great part is you can mix and match them in a bunch of different ways. Of course, if you have a, a Ram or a Scheffler in your collection, definitely want to be leveraging them, using them as your captain. Although you don't have to use them as your captain, uh, in my opinion, in these types of fields. In one like we had last week where Scheffler is head and shoulders by a mile over the rest of the field. It, it, it seems, you know, pretty much like a no brainer to slot him into that captain slot. There could be an argument for when you're playing in the majors to still play a Rahm or a Shuffler, but maybe get different in a way by not actually putting them in your captain, which is essentially making a bet that they do well. They have a, a top five finish, but maybe they aren't the actual winner. And then you hope that you're, you're hitting the winner with one of your one of your other kind of top 15 to, to 20 guys. But yeah, even just looking at like the 20, 25 to one to 50 to one range, right? You have a ton of golfers that that have won even recently. I mean, you have starting with Jason Day, who just won this past tournament. Then you've got Finau, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Cameron Young, Victor Hovland, Matthew Fitzpatrick. I mean, the list goes on and on. Sanjay M, Max Homa, Terrell Hatton. Hideki Matsuyama, Sam Burns, all of those guys can can very likely find their way into a battle on Sunday and, and have the chance to to take this down. So it's a great, great week to use your entire collection of cards, um, you know, from a, a course fit standpoint, as is the case with just about every major, you're going to want guys that that can get distance off the tee. Now, granted, all those people that we just mentioned they're ranked in the top 25 for a reason. It's because they do have that distance off the tee. 
but that's definitely something that that I'm going to be looking into here. You really do need to to hit the long ball and um you know, you're going to need that all all around game too. The other thing with majors is guys that that can scramble around the greens and save those pars because inevitably, no matter what in a major, you're going to get yourself into some trouble at one point and you're going to need to to be able to get up and down and save those pars. So from a, a kind of construction standpoint, I'm looking to to take one or two from those this kind of top four or five guys that you have and then fill out the rest with that mid range. And uh, yeah, we can get into some of the specific golfers that each of us are looking at. But from a high level, thinking about that from a roster construction standpoint, targeting golfers that have the length that they're going to need off the tee, as well as a mix of that all around game and specifically the ability to scramble and make those pars when they're inevitably going to need to do so during the PGA Championship. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, a couple things I'll say outside of just golfers, right? So Oak Hill Golf Course, it's like 74, almost 7,400 yards. It plays as a par 70, which is kind of the reason why people are, are expecting lower scores, not as much par 5 scoring out there to be had playing as a par 70. Uh, it was completely redesigned. I believe it was two or three years ago. They completely redesigned the course. So while Oak Hill Country Club has hosted plenty of other you know, PGA tour championships. And I believe it's hosted the PGA championship before uh, you can't really rely too much on history. The course is completely different. Some of the uh, pictures that I saw and some of the tweets that I saw already from this week are kind of insane. The bunkers are very deep and the greens are elevated. So you can get yourself in, you know, three and four and five foot deep bunkers around these greens and where guys in the you know guys on the PGA tour sort of love playing from the sand and have all the wizardry that you need you know with wedges from the sand i expect this to be a little bit different i expect this to present some challenges in these bunkers that people aren't going to just be able to kind of get it up there and get it tight, you know, two, three feet to automatically save par they're going to have to hit it to 10 feet or have to hit it to 15 feet and and try to you know, rattle home a long putt to save par, which is very, very different than a lot of tracks that just have length uh, as their uh, as their protector from these guys in a traditional setup. So I expect the course to play pretty hard. Uh, I expect I expect it to be pretty different than these guys, you know, typically see, you see a lot of guys out there. saw Max Homa hitting uh, the tweet was like Max Homa hitting three different clubs with a 15 yard shot on a couple holes, a five iron, a wedge and a putter even. Um, so there's going to be a lot of different challenges that this course presents that not your everyday uh, run of the mill PGA tour course will present. And I think when that happens, two things, one, there's going to be big numbers that get made and guys that can avoid big numbers will automatically skyrocket themselves up the board, but who can kind of come back mentally from a big number? I like guys that can kind of bounce back, hit a stock shot to where they need to hit it to, to bounce back after a bogey or a double bogey comes and they've got an eight footer for par and they can able, they're able to sort of mentally free up and, and rattle home an eight footer that's needed. So those are going to be the kind of things that you're keeping an eye on this week uh, to determine who's going to win this golf tournament. And, you know, if anybody does go out there and go low, they'll automatically be in the mix. So if you can get a golfer 
and your lineup go shoot four, five, six under in one of these rounds, you're you're gonna feel like on top of the world, and, that, and that's great. I think you're just gonna need to hang on to your hat. Pars are your friend here in a tournament like this, from uh, this kind of setup, at least is uh, what we're seeing thus far. And you said it perfectly. Distance. Uh, I read a couple tweets from the No Laying Up crew. Uh, the guys are out there. Players are out there quoted it saying, it, "It this course is gettable if you can carry it 320." So distance is going to matter. A uh, lot of bunkers and things off the tee that are positioned right at these guys, you know, average distances. So the guys that can get it off the tee, get it out there pretty long um, and try to keep it as much in the fairway as possible, knowing that they'll probably grow the rough up some uh, going to be paramount to success here. So we'll see how all of that plays out. But yeah, let's get into some guys that we both like. Um, let's let's do it uh, by tier here. If you had to and you had sorry if you had to and you had rom and scotty had to pick a captain where where are you going this week as always gonna go with my guy john rom i mean let's be honest you can't go wrong with either of these two and if scotty scheffler could make a putt i mean my goodness he would be i'm looking at the stats right now he is first in this field in strokes gain t degree green including first off the tee and fifth in approach Second overall in strokes gain total, only behind John Rahm. And all of this is with him being ranked 97th in this field in putting over the last 50 rounds. So that is just absolutely crazy. And it does seem to become, it's becoming a bit of a theme. Not only, uh, he's missing short putts is really what it comes down to. Even on Sunday, I think he had a, a three or four footer that he missed and it almost seems like every round there there is a short putt that scotty ends up missing now obviously there's somewhat of a bias towards that of well yeah if you're hitting the ball so damn close to the hole you do have an opportunity to lose more strokes putting because not everybody is constantly having these four and five footers for birdie right so that is one thing to keep in mind but my goodness if scotty can just get you know, a, a, a little bit going with the putter here. He's he's certainly, you know, putting himself in positions even without that. So you can't go wrong with either Scotty or Rom. But when it comes to Rom, simply put, just the best golfer in the world right now. Nobody that I'd rather have on my team come Sunday. Nobody that as another golfer, I'd be more terrified to to be walking down the fairway with on on the first hole on Sunday. So I, I'm going to take Rom out of those two, but it, it's it's really nothing against Scotty. These two are just totally lights out. Uh, I just I, I feel Rom has a little more of that dog in him right now, a little more of that go get him attitude. And uh, what he's halfway now to the career Grand Slam, so winning yep, the, the PGA US Championship and the US, yeah, Open. US Open. I mean, hey, it could be you know it, it could be three months from now, and and he's already closed it out because. Anytime Rom is teeing it up, it's uh, it's all about looking at him and saying, well, who's going to go out and beat that guy this week? Yeah, well said, man. Uh, Scotty Scheffler gained 0.07 strokes putting this past week, finished T5. Lost strokes last week, at, or the last time he teed it up at the Heritage, lost half a stroke, finished T11. <laughs> Masters lost almost four strokes putting, finished T10. <laughs> uh, the match play lost three strokes putting, finished fourth. Uh, the last time he won the Players' Championship, he, he gained 0.1 stroke putting. So yeah, I mean, if he gains putting, it's sort of insane. The last time he actually gained, gained putting 
Uh, he gained two weeks in a row. The Phoenix Open, which he won, gained four four strokes putting, and then the Genesis gained one point seven strokes putting. Finished T ten there, T twelve. Sorry. So yeah, it's going to come down to the putter for Scotty, and that just leads to a little bit of frustration, right? When Scotty's hitting it to eight feet every time and has a two inch tap in, can't make any birdies. It's a uh, it's a heck of an experience. But yeah, it's pretty hard to fade those two. Love your analysis. Let's jump right into the next tier, uh, as I called it out. Rory McIlroy, Xander Schauffele, Patrick Cantlay. Patrick Cantlay getting all of the early steam everybody writing him up saying he's going to win this tournament uh, a lot of people not not just your your uh, your standard action network guys but i've seen tons and tons of people on twitter liking the number at 1800 plus 1800 for cat patrick Cantlay to win um i think you know if if Rory and this is a more of a DFS take, but if Rory's going to come in under own, I'll just take Rory. Uh, he just hits the driver so well. If he wakes up and hits wedges and, and can can somehow putt, um, he could win this golf tournament. And if there's ever a guy that could get to ten under on a really hard golf tournament on a really hard golf course, it's Rory. Just because he can hit a 375 yard drive, he's going to have way more wedges than everybody. He's going to eventually wake up from a putting standpoint. And yeah, I'll, I'll take. Rory out of these three. Um, I've gone out on the Rory ledge. The last time I did, he missed the cut completely at, uh, at Augusta. So I'll hope that he uh, can do me good here, but who are you, who are you looking at in that little second tier of three guys? Yeah. Of those three, I, I, I do like Rory as the, like if I had to pick which of those three do I think has the best chance to win, I would pick Rory. If the question is more of which one do I think on average has the, the better average performance, I would not take Rory in that spot just because of his inconsistency. Like to me, I could see Rory winning or I could see him, you know, either missing the cut or finishing T50, right? Whereas with Xander and Cantlay, I think they're going to ha have a much tighter range of outcomes, specifically with Xander. I mean, Xander to me always just feels like a guy in these stronger fields that you don't really see him in the hunt to win on Sunday, but you look at the final standings and he's T6 or T7. Right. And has that all around game uh, ranks within the top 36 in every single category across the board here. Um, doesn't have the length of these other guys. I mean, obviously, he's Xander, like he's plenty long, but he's not like a, a super bomber by any means, but very good around the greens and on the greens. And just, you know, I think a very safe bet to to end up with a nice finish. So I do I do like Xander quite a bit this week. And yeah, Cantlay, as you mentioned, getting a lot of early steam for sure. Can't go wrong with with him there over the past. Let's see over the past 50 rounds. Yeah, he's eighth in this field in, in strokes gain total, um, you know, basically top 30 in every single stat with uh, a little bit of some troubles around the greens. But yeah, I, I I'd put Xander as my favorite play of these three from like a, a net outcome standpoint. And then I think Rory is in a, is in a nice spot to, to maybe get a win while people are off of him a little bit. And yeah, I've got a, a Rory rare in my collection and I'm, I'm thinking about maybe throwing that into my captain spot because I feel like people are not going to trust Rory with the captain right now. And, you know, we just know that, that he has the, the it factor to go out and win in, in any, any tournament, anytime. And especially when you're going to be looking for that distance off the tee. I mean, th there's nobody I'd rather watch swing the driver than Rory. And uh, it, it, it's time for him to perform here. I know he's had a lot going on 
off the course, on the course, but it's still Rory McIlroy, and I, I, I like his chances to find his way into the winner's circle sooner than later. Yeah, I like it. Well said. I would have not picked Xander there, but man, I looked at some of this as you as you were going on. I mean, Xander's statistics are just sort of flawless, and, He's and just this is Eddie. This, He's this just has Eddie, been the right? story of the of the year, right? I mean, there's like six, six, seven, eight guys on tour that when you look up their stats, if you look them up in a vacuum, I mean, you're going to love what you see guys like Xander, guys like Rom, guys like Scheffler, guys like can't lay this year. It's been, if you looked up Wyndham Clark stats, you're going to love what you see Wyndham Clark wise, uh, even Finau when Finau tees it up and, and he doesn't you know go crazy with the putter. Um, yeah, you know, his stats can look spe- spectacular from a ball striking standpoint. And so, you know, when these guys put it together, when these top 10 to 15 golfers in the world put it all together and on a given tournament, they're just incredible to watch. So yeah, I think uh, I can't go wrong with any of those five guys that we just uh, digested and, and talked through, unfortunately, and fortunately uh, for anybody that's holding some piece of these guys or multiple pieces, uh, they're pretty expensive out there. Uh, the rare uh, looks like the rare cheapest rare for, Scotty and Rom looks like Rom's 180, uh, Scotty 195, and then Rory Rory Shoffley and Cantlay 88 dollars. Cantlay comes in at the lowest there, Rory 99, and Shoffley 96. So I always try to use rare as kind of my baseline pricing. Of course, you can jump over and grab some core cards. Just very very hard to put a core team together that ultimately takes this thing down. You're going to need to finish one through five, uh, likely with the correct captain too. So uh, use rare as kind of a baseline pricing and uh, pretty expensive for uh, to put together a team of those guys at the at the top. But I like. All of those guys, if you're holding one as a captain, I think captain percentage will be thinned out and people will be playing core cards up into rare and rare cards up into elite where you can't play those cards as captain. So I think you're able to get different uh, enough. Uh, so if you got one of those guys, I might just jam into captain and uh, create your create your best team that you possibly can uh, after that. All right. Yeah, I was actually I was actually checking out the the market page on the the OTM website just to kind of get a feel for like the volume that was happening. And one thing that I noticed is that with those top guys, as you said, their prices are pretty high and there's just not a lot of liquidity, right? Which makes sense because like, I mean, if you own a ROM or a Scheffler, like you and you're just going to want to keep putting it into your lineup. Every yeah. Time. What are you playing the game for? Ex- if you exactly, are owning a ROM exactly. or Scheffler and trying to sell it, so right? like, like it, you just it makes it sense. It makes sense that, uh, you know, especially as we get further into the season, that people are going to get used to having those cards in their collection and they haven't been letting them down literally ever. So yeah, people, people are not wanting to part with their elite level golfers, which again, makes sense because the consistency really has just been, been unbelievable from, from those guys at the top. So I just found that to be uh, you know, a finding that I had when I was, I was checking out some of the marketplace activity and uh yeah, good, good good to note I think for heading into to next season is that while, you know, on on one hand it's like oh the cards lose value or have less value as the season goes on, but in some ways like there's just a human element that like the longer somebody holds on to one of these cards, they're just going to become like personally attached to it. And when you have a Scheffler card and every time he plays he's in the top 5, you're just like ah! I don't care how much money I can get for this. Like I, I'd rather, you know, play the game and get my chance at, at, you know, turning it into the, the $5,000, $10,000 top prize, whatever that may be. So yeah, just mental notes for thinking ahead in, in, in rainmakers. If you want those elite top end golfers, um, 
you got to get them early before people get get too attached to them is what I would say. You guys heard it here first. One of Scotty Scheffler or John Rahm misses the cut this week. We got 10 to 15 buyers or or, or uh, people in the marketplace that don't want those cards. And then everybody listening to this show goes and gets them at a discount. Oh, yeah. And uh, they win the rest of the PGA Tour season. So you guys heard it here first. Uh, just don't go out there betting uh, too, too, too much astronomical sums of money that either Scheffler or Rahm will ever miss a cut. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. All right, let's, uh, let's get into definitely the most most interesting, you know, group of golfers here. We, we, we said it at the top, probably 15 and you'll, you'll hear every show, every you know person that talks golf this week will tell you there's 15 golfers. There's 20 golfers that can win this golf tournament. Uh, and so I think the most interesting section of the field is certainly the plus 2,500 starting with Tony Finau down to let's just do the whole uh, all the way down and we'll do a couple of guys all the way down under plus 10,000. So Corey Connors looks like he kind of rounds out that group at plus 9,000. You give your best play. I'll give my best play. And then we'll give a couple other guys we like in, in this range. Yeah. You mentioned earlier the idea of consistency and eliminating big numbers and just looking for, for steady golfers this week. And when I was looking at things, I feel like nothing embodies steady golf more than Sun JM. I mean, Sun JM is just as smooth as it gets when it comes to hitting fairways, hitting greens, two putting for his par, getting up and down when he needs to, making the birdies on the birdie holds when he needs to. I feel like he's just a really, really high level golf course manager, and it shows in the results. He has, let's see, his last five tournaments, he's finished T21 or better, including three top 10s there, T16 at the Masters, T6 at the Players, and there's always someone that rises to the occasion at the more difficult golf courses in these more difficult fields. So I really like the setup here for Sungjae. Um, will Sungjae win in a field like this? I think Maybe not so much. Again, to me, he's more of that like Xander archetype where it's, you know, very, very steady. And so from a Rainmaker's perspective or from a DraftKings DFS perspective, I love some Jay on that. Maybe not so much as if I was looking to to bet somebody on an outright win. But uh, yeah, I mean, th there's a lot to like in this range, but I did. I kept coming back to, to Sunjay and just super steady, super solid across the board eliminates the big numbers, makes the birdies when he needs to. And so he's he's been somebody that I'm I'm keeping my eye on. Although his his rainmaker's price um kind of kind of reflects it in a way. He's up there. His rare is is $68, which is is one of the more expensive here. So I was a little bit bummed to see that. I was hoping that maybe we could get a little bit of a discount on Sanjay, but I absolutely love him as a play this week. Yeah, I'm on record a couple weeks ago. I liked Sunjay over Justin Thomas uh, in that field. The JT was sort of a heavy favorite. I just think, uh, man, I mean, you don't even really have to sweat Sunjay. It seems like these days he just he, he just goes out. He doesn't really make big numbers. He finds a way to make cuts. He's near the top of the leaderboard a good number of times. He just come off a win. I uh, can't remember what tour he, he played on. It went over, played a, played a Korean tour, I believe, and, and got a victory. So um, like, like Sunjay and, and really hard to find anything wrong uh, with Sunjay's game. I think it's just uh, the model of consistency throughout the bag. So I, I love that call. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go 
with this guy and man, I never, I never seem to ever have much of this guy. And I've been looking at his rare to, to pick up uh, for multiple weeks now. And I just think he's sort of on the cusp of if he could get a couple big wins or one big win, is it the snowball that he needs? And it's Victor Hovland. Um, I, I think his short game was incredible at the Masters. Never saw him play that well ever with the wedge and the putter in his hands. And he's been a little pedestrian since, uh, since uh, the masters in terms of like how he's played, but he still has gotten it done. I would say from a fantasy standpoint, his output has still been really, really high. He has, as much upside as almost anybody in terms of like ability to put together a really low round. And I think if you can get one of, you know, one, you know, decently low round here, I think you have a chance to kind of vault yourself up the scoreboard and all of a sudden find yourself in the mix on Sunday. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Victor Hovland as, as my, my favorite play. He's not cheap by any means. Uh, yeah. $63 for his rare uh, sits right above a cam young sits right below Colin Morikawa uh sits right below Sun JM right above Matty Fitzpatrick so um yeah I'm gonna go Hovland just think that he has the long game and if the short game just kind of shows up and he's able to roll a few more eight footers home or roll a 20 footer home and uh you know get a spark going with the putter has just as good a chance as anybody to win this thing so I, I like Victor Hovland a good bit here always a fan of Hovland I think that's a, a great one there I'd say one one or two other names that I'll I'll throw out. Um, certainly not similar to Sunjay M in terms of temperament, but in terms of being a steady golfer, Terrell Hatton, I think, has just been playing super steady. Uh, T5 again last week, T3 the week before at the Wells Fargo. He's racked up, what, four top tens in his last six or seven events. So I like Hatton quite a bit. And then our, our, our guy, Max Homa. Like, if I was looking for someone in this range that that on the opposite end that I like more as an outright bet than as a DFS play. I feel like that's Homa's your guy. Homa to me just seems like someone that that's a winner, right? And he can get into that number one spot. Um, maybe not always the most consistent, but love the way that his game shapes up for this course. So some Jay, my top in the range, but I, I did want to throw out Hatton and Homa as well as two other guys that I, I really like for this week. The historical career arc of Max Homa has to be one of the most like insane and fascinating golf. If you're just into golf, uh, golf sort of runs ever. I mean, almost every young guy I've listened to four or five of them now that are young. I listened to Sahith Gala say it. I listened to uh, Cam Young has said it. A few other guys, uh, even Tiger Woods was one to comment on Max's swing and people like say, I just wish I could swing it like Max Homa and Max Homa. You know, when he was first on the PGA Tour, didn't even think he was good enough to play professional golf and, you know, goes on a run the last 18 months, has multiple wins, six wins now uh, over the course of the last three years. Uh, I mean, just an insane arc in terms of, you know, being good at golf and believing that you're good at golf. And, you know, also being a normal human, I think everyone loves Max for what he brings off the course. And I love that he's still able to do that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's got to be one of the fan favorites. And anytime you're a fan favorite, you're going to get some uh, you're going to get some thunder. But I think Max kind of lives up to that in uh, in all of his gloriousness that uh, that he is. A couple guys I don't like here. Um, I think it's uh, some fades for me uh, just to go the other way. 
Morikawa just hasn't played great. He can't seem to find it with the putter. Uh, I think he's priced, you know, basically right underneath like JT and J- and Jason Day, who you know JT's game is trending upwards. Jason Day comes off a win. I just I don't I don't like the price uh, for Morikawa, and I, I wouldn't pay up for him. You know, he's sixty five dollars for a rare in Rainmakers. I mean, I could name you the five guys that we've already talked about. Uh, I would take all of those guys over Morikawa this week, and that could s- certainly come back to bite me. But the course doesn't set up well for him, and he just doesn't have his game going the right way for for, uh, for trying to win a major championship. So Morikawa is a fade for me. And, uh, you know, I have no idea what to make of Hideki Matsuyama's situation. You know, I we were talking about in our Discord, is he hurt? The announcers seem to keep making this thing up about, like, is his neck something going on with his neck? I have no idea. He seemed to play pretty well uh, for me. I didn't catch a ton of his rounds specifically on Sunday, um, but I don't. I think he only made one bogey. It made, didn't make a ton of birdies. Um, but on a course like this, Hideki seems to to be someone that I would typically like. So I'm going to dig in on the injury status because Hideki can bomb it. Hideki can hit the irons better than just about anybody. Uh, it'll come down to the putter with him like always. And I like his short game right now. He's gaining strokes uh, around the green. Um, so yeah, I'm going to check into Hideki. So he's sort of an unknown uh, for me. But if he's hurt at all, I think it's just an easy fade. I, Hideki's not going to play through injury. Um, he's going to be, you know... It, the guy who's just like, all right, it's not worth it for me to try to, you know, battle it just to play the PGA championship, in my opinion. So we'll see. We'll see uh, what Wednesday's show brings. He's part of my elite squad that I have, and I'll decide what I'm going to end up doing with Hideki here, uh, you know, pretty quickly over the course of the next couple of days. Yep. Same page there. It's uh, it's kind of a wait and see on Hideki with the health situation and uh, not somebody I'd want to be burning a spot on in, in any of my top lineups which is unfortunate because i do have like at least a couple of hideki's in the collection but uh we'll we'll be saving those for another time this week at least all right let's go one other any long shot anybody plus ten thousand or more don't know if you had your eye on anyone or if you've liked the play of any of these guys that are a bit cheaper in the rainmakers game and can round out a nice five card lineup for you yeah, you mentioned kind of Corey Connors being the the cutoff out of that. I, I always like Corey Connors. think it's another great setup for him. Somebody who has the distance, good ball striker, and you know has, has had success in the majors and on some of those more difficult courses. So I like I like him and Keegan Bradley as kind of a you know similar mold of players. Again, guys that that have the distance that you need, but tend to have their struggle struggles on the greens. Um, I've got, you know, Keith Mitchell, another guy that we mentioned, he catches my eye. It gets pretty rough pretty quickly beyond that. Uh, you know, Brian Harmon, I think he's like 200 to one or something, but if you're just looking for someone that can make a cut and kind of grind out a finish has the all around game there, maybe not necessarily the distance that we'd love to have on this course, but somebody that can scramble and make those pars in these more difficult tournaments. It really does drop off pretty sharply. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I kind of view that like after the Corey Connors kind of Figala area, it's, it's pretty sharp pretty quickly. And you can even see that directly in, in the odds where it, it jumps quickly from like plus 100 to, to plus 200, at least, for the people that are available in the rainmakers pool. So I'm trying as much as possible to, uh, in 
your main lineups where you're entering the the big guarantees or you know any of the gated contests to to avoid having to go that deep and and save these guys for the pack party and and more tournaments of, of that nature just because as we've said the cream uh, uh is always going to rise to the top in these big time events and there's some guys down here that can certainly get you a made cut and rack up some points but asking for them to to end up with a top 10 or a top five or a win is is a lot just because there's so many top-notch golfers that that they're going to have to go up against but those those are the ones that that catch my eye down you know kind of in the the, the lower end of the board yeah i like it uh i'll i'll say a couple things here one i think it's always interesting to round out a team of studs with somebody down here on the board because a lot of guys can't like guys can make runs right you'll see guys you'll see a name on this leaderboard or a couple names on this leaderboard that are quote unquote out of place and that can make some runs it's hard to predict who those guys you know would be so i think what i've always been trying to do is i've been making purchases or making analyzing purchases based on not just world golf ranking, but using world golf ranking and then and then FedEx cup points as sort of a deciding factor with how I might be thinking about making a buy. Uh, so when we look at the FedEx cup points and the PGA, like the PGA points, this is going to dictate who gets into the playoffs as those come closer near the end of the season. And, and frankly, you know, the PGA championship is here. It's mid May. It's going to be August before we know it. The summer is going to go by quick. These golfers are going to be playing week in and week out. So I like guys that are, you know, up further on the board, guys that have already had a win or had a top five finish. They're going to have more points. It's really hard to chase down those points versus just kind of keeping the, the chasers at bay. So Kurt Kitayama kind of stands out to me. Kurt already has a pretty big win uh, on his resume this year, uh, has a lot of points. I was looking at his current standings. He is 16th in FedEx cup points. So he's going to likely play in at least the first playoff event, unless something crazy happens, hits the ball pretty far, uh, 1595 for his rare. So I like Kurt. Uh, and then, you know, another guy that I think is going to get some steam sort of for the opposite y'all of this is, uh, Steven Yeager. Yeager has played great. I've liked Yeager's game in the beginning of the year. He hasn't been able to kind of break through and get a win, but he's been a great fantasy point scorer. So I think he'll be a nice round out of your a top five, but he also just doesn't have a ton of FedEx cup points. So when you look at the fields that Yeager is going to get in, you know, he he's in now and he's in the PGA championship. I believe he just got in and can he break into these other elite fields? Can he break into some of these deluxe events? Cause th that's when you want to use a card like Jaeger. So I think you're trying to make purchase purchase decisions based on not only this tournament, but the utility of future tournaments and rounding out teams that you're comfortable jamming in week in and week out. So I think that's how you have to make some buys. So I, I would be going Kitayama over Jaeger here. Uh, haven't seen the volume on those two guys, but I just know price wise, uh, sort of similar. Um, and then the other guy for me that I'll highlight, and I highlighted him a couple weeks ago, and I tend to come back to similar sets of guys, but Taylor Moore has just been very good. Uh, doesn't hit it as far as, as far as I'd like. If he hit it further, I would really like it, like him, but I mean, he's just played phenomenal golf and for $22 for his rare, I just think, uh, it, it's, it's a solid, solid value for a plot you know, you know, 1500 to one. So, uh, you know, I, I really like, uh, I really like, uh, I really like Taylor Moore. So those would be the couple of guys that I'm looking at further down the board. All right. Anything else 
for the people as we wrap it up as always we're gonna have to hold tj to one single pick and see if he can stay hot had bramlett last week loved the way bramlett played played also made the cut ran up on saturday and sunday just ended up uh what was he i think it was like t19 i see not bad not bad solid solid a little bit of a long shot yeah i I love the uh i love the bramlett call so made my made my decision for me and it was the right one i had shank versus bramlett uh if anybody watched the show on wednesday tj said bramlett was his call and i said okay instantly putting him in my top lineup and it, it worked out for that min cash for me so uh let's uh let's get into your pick and any other final words you have for the people as we close it out yeah final words i don't think i have too much much else to add i think we covered a lot a lot of good stuff here focus on that that top kind of 15 to 20 golfers for this week again as your collection allows think that you can't go wrong with a, a lot of the plays that we talked through here and for my winner pick I am. I'm going to go a little, a little bit off the board. Someone that that we talked about here sitting at looks like 40 to one. But Terrell Hatton, going to go go with Hatton here, the the madman himself. He may throw a couple clubs into the water on his way to victory. But when it's all said and done, I like Terrell Hatton at at 40 to one here, um, playing really really good golf lately, and I think he he's he's due for a win in the near future so gonna go a little further down on the board and pick my guy terrell hatton as my winner pick of the week going off the board the people love to see that uh you guys heard it here first hero hatton gets the win some great banter back and forth on all the different subsets of the odds i'll have the tuesday article it's like a two it's like a late tuesday night early wednesday morning article at this point i keep pushing it back just because of more information coming in but the tuesday article will be up over on our site check it out otmnft.com for all your rainmakers pga tour needs all your pricing your data your insights your purchase decision making uh head on over there and uh, take a look at that and as always if you have any other questions with love to hear from you all we're over there in the DraftKings marketplace discord or over in our jolly jokers discord and i'll be back on wednesday building my lineups going through my teams and uh getting ready to sweat major number two major season just feels different as we said at the top of the show so excited to uh sweat it out at oak hill with you all and until wednesday hope you all make the right decisions build your teams make the right buys and of course See you all on the leaderboards. And until then, we'll talk to you guys all on Wednesday. See ya.